Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. My name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us today. It's a good day to be in the house. Amen? Yeah. Everybody everybody eat enough turkey? Yeah. No, maybe yes, kind of so. That's, I, we, we always travel over. Uh, our, our tradition is that we travel over. I say always because how many of y'all know for the last like two years, nothing has been always. Uh, but our tradition has always been to, uh, to head over to my, um, my mother-in-law's house and to spend time with that side of our family uh, for Thanksgiving. And I love it. It's absolutely a blast. We have fun. Um, I, I'm one of the, the few people blessed with in-laws that I actually like. So uh, there you go. Sorry if you're not. Not trying to rub it in. Just saying. Mine are better than yours. Um, no, but it's, it's, it's always fun. Um, and and uh, the one problem I have is that I have now been drafted to cook the turkey but I don't get to take home all the leftovers. So uh, my wife figured this out already, so she's like, we'll just buy another turkey and you can cook another one, which is like, yay, I can cook another turkey. Uh, hopefully you have leftovers, hope you have some fun. Um, real fast, there's one other thing that makes today special as well. Um, it, I was thinking about this uh, this morning. It was eight years ago, roughly right about now, eight years ago, that I received a text message from somebody uh, who, uh, led to probably, I think I can say this, um, top five biggest life-changing text messages I've ever gotten in my life. Um, that text message came from our very own Pastor Doug Malott, uh, who in that text message asked me to get coffee. He said, I have an idea about something maybe our churches could do together. And I was thinking maybe he's thinking like a Christmas Eve service or something. That'd be kind of fun. And um, little did I know that was the, that was the sit-down coffee conversation that would actually lead to what you're experiencing now, which is the merging of our two churches together, uh, Sozo and Rock of Ages coming together. Um, and uh, so if you're happy about that, it's, it's all Doug's fault. And if you're angry about that, it's uh, all Doug's fault. Um, but today is Pastor Doug's birthday. So make sure you go up and you tell, you tell Pastor Doug happy birthday. Uh, thank him for, um, you know, this wonderful thing that we all now get to experience. Amen? On top of that, come on, he pastored this church faithfully for over 30 stinking years, which is older than a lot of you in the room. So, um, so we're excited about that. He's an awesome, amazing pillar in this house, and we honor him on his birthday. Amen? Should I keep going just to keep embarrassing him? Because I can. I could talk about him all day. Um, <laughs> he's asking me to move on. So for his birthday present, I'll move on. John chapter 16. Let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 16, uh, verse 7. We're, we're going to be here again this morning. Um, let's get there in your Bibles. If you, have a, if you have a paper Bible, turn there. If you have a, I don't know, tablet Bible, turn it on. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you just call it. Open the app. Um, it's funny, I remember talking to um, another pastor that I served under, and, and we were talking about preaching, and he told me, he said, you know, the greatest sound I hear every, every week is the, the ruffling of the pages of God's Word. 
And I thought about that. I'm like, well, now I, what do I, I see? The illumination of the glow on the faces of God's people <laughs> of His Word. I don't like. Y'all forgot that there these exist. Anyways, let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. We're in John chapter 16. Jesus is having a private conversation with his disciples. That's important for us to understand because everything Jesus says, if you are a believer, applies to you. And if you're not, I love you. It does not yet apply to you. Right? I didn't say it can't apply to you. I said it does not yet. Because here's the amazing thing about the family of God. It is the most inclusively exclusive family in the world. It is, it is, it is exclusive to only them. The things that apply to the people of God apply only to the people of God. They apply to no other people on the planet. And yet anyone on the planet, come on, can hear the gospel, receive the gospel, repent, believe, and be included, come on, into the family of God as a free and open gift to all. Amen? So, so, so this message, Jesus is speaking to just his 11 disciples. There's, there's no one else present that we're aware of. So we pick up the story now as Jesus continues his dialogue. John chapter 16, in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you. Everybody say guide you. He will guide you into some little bits of tiny, microscopic, partial truths. Oh, sorry. I, that's, that's the other Bible. He will guide you into all truth. Here's, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you'll see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. Let's pray together this morning, church. Holy Spirit, come on, we thank you for your word. Can we thank Jesus for his word? Thank you, God, for your word. God, we praise you for your word. We rejoice over your word. God, let us be a people that does not wait for the fulfillment of your word, but we rejoice at the receiving of your word. We rejoice at the declaration of your word. God, let us be a people that does not sit back and demand proof, but rather a people that will rejoice at the hearing of your word as much as if the word had already been fulfilled. Lord, I pray for those waiting for promises to be fulfilled in the room, holding on to promises that you've made. God, that you would release in them a shout and a sound of victory and rejoicing now as if the promise has already been fulfilled, as if the child is already well, as if the, the prodigal is already home, as if the, 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 the job is already theirs, as if the money is already in the bank, as if, as if the fulfillment of all that you have spoken to them is theirs, because you promise in your word that all of your promises in in Jesus are yes and amen. So we rejoice at the hearing of your word. So our prayer, God, is, is, is that we would have the ability to hear your word. Jesus, you said that, that, that it requires ears to hear in order to hear. So give us ears to hear so that we can hear. Not just ears, but give us hearts 
to receive. Let our, let our hearts be tender before you. Let the soil of our souls be turned even now. Let it be overturned within us, that it might be open, receptive. Lord, the, the, the reality is the rhythm and the weight of life can compact the soil of our souls. Spirit of the living God, come and soften that ground right now as we know you've already done and you are doing and you will do, we ask you to do it. Soften the soil of our souls that we might receive that which you speak. Your word is seed. And so we want to receive the seed of your word that it might go deep within the fiber of our being. And as it goes down and as its roots go down, we pray that it dislodges anything that would hinder its growth. That it springs up within us, not just as a word that we've heard, not just as a word that we've received, but as a word that we have responded to in obedience as it has changed our hearts, as it changed our souls, that we would walk, live out obedience to you, that you would fulfill your promise to make us like you. Let he who began a good work in us continue it this day. Not by our strength, not by our power, not by our wisdom, not by our working, but simply by surrendering to you, receiving your word, and let your word do the work. That you might receive the glory, that you might receive the praise, that you might receive the renown that is due your name, and that the world might know your heart to do good for your people. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Greet somebody around you real fast and then grab a seat. Amen, amen. If you're taking notes this morning... Um, I want to just talk to us under the title, Advantageous Ally. I mentioned this a few, a few weeks ago that I felt like maybe it would be good for us to do this. And I, as I was uh, just spending time in the Word um, this week, saw, saw some ways people do this. So, so really, I, I want to look at how, how throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus continues to make reference to and promise of the coming of Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Gospel of John is unique amongst all the other Gospels. Um, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke are often called the synoptic Gospels because they, 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 they give a synopsis, right, of the life of Jesus. And they all follow similar patterns, even to the point where that there's a belief that there may even be some sharing of notes amongst the, the writers of, of those three Gospels because they quote things exactly the same in certain spots. And, and, and so there, you can dive into all kinds of fun stuff about that. And, th- and then you have this, this Gospel of John that's not included in, in what we call the Synoptic Gospels because John, um, to put it mildly, is, 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 uh, he's weird. John's just weird. He's, he's different than the rest of them. Uh, church history actually tells us that, that John was, was, was the last of the, of the disciples to still be alive, and toward the end of his life, there's some scholars, I would, I would align with them, uh, that even teach that the Gospel of John may be, in fact, the last chronological book of the Bible ever written. And that John, at, toward the end of his life, 
was asked by the elders of the church, by the bishops, the overseers of the church, he said, listen, listen we, we, we want you to write out uh, your account of, of the life of Jesus, your gospel. And, and John fought this actually for years, history tells. He said, no, we, don't, we, don't, we, we got Matthew, we got Mark, we got Luke. We, we, we've got those. I don't think I need to write one. But, but after persistent uh, nagging, really, from the church, uh, John goes away and fasts toward the end of his life and some church historians tell us that what happened was as he was fasting and as he was just praying and writing, John chapter one just flows out of him. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. All of this begins to flow, this poem that, that starts the, 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 the beginning of John. So John's unique in that, but one of the other things that makes John unique, he, he doesn't tell the story in a synopsis, right? He kind of flows around. He, he has a very specific point, right? We, 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 we titled our series that, like, that you may believe. It's what John says, why he wrote his gospel, but there's another thing that makes John unique, and that is the inclusion of these references consistently to Holy Spirit. He's alluding to Holy Spirit consistently throughout the Gospels. And so what I want to do this morning in some ways is, is kind of look back a little bit. As we look at this text, I want to see how Jesus is finally just sort of laying out all these sort of allusions that he's made. He's, he's now coming to this private dialogue with his disciples, and he goes, look, I know I've kind of talked about this. I've hinted at this, but, but I just want to lay it out for you what's going on here. I want to lay out for you clearly what's happening. So let's remember a few things here as we, as we track back. Jesus had called these disciples because Jesus was their superior rabbi. Jesus is the superior rabbi. Can I get an amen from any Christians who believe that? Right? We, we talked about this. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but, but, but Jesus uh, functions in the society that he lives in. I know some of us fail to realize that. We, we want Jesus to sort of just like smash in as a 21st century Christian, but that's, that's not what he did. Jesus shows up in, in first century Israel, and, and okay, ready for a just woo crazy, and he lives in the culture of a, of a first century Israelite. He lives like them. And so as it, as it comes time for, for him to begin his, his ministry, his, his work of revealing the Father, he does so in the context of the culture that he lives in. And he does that by being a rabbi. And, he, and, and so we, we need to understand this role of a rabbi. Rabbis have disciples. But the closest thing that we can sort of kind of uh, relate to what a first century rabbi is, uh, or was rather, to, to what we have is probably like a life coach. But it's so much deeper than that. You see, they had, they had disciples, and here's the job description of a disciple. Disciples were to be with their rabbi so they can be like their rabbi. That's their whole job. Literally, they would, they would leave it. And this is the way, we see this in the text, right? This is the way that rabbis called disciples. They would come up to them and they would say, follow me. That was the call of a rabbi to their disciples to, to literally abandon everything, to let everything go, to just cut everything loose, cut every tie and abandon all of it and go after them. And usually rabbis would call very, very, very young, 11, 12, 13 year old boys to come and follow them. And so it's odd that Jesus actually calls a little bit older teenagers, we believe, or maybe in their early twenties. These are guys that would have been rejected, come on, by the system of their day. And yet Jesus comes and he takes the system's leftovers and uses the system's leftovers, come on, to turn the system upside down. So disciples 
were to be with their rabbi so they could be like their rabbi. And, and when I say with, I don't just mean with sometimes. I mean they would be with them at all times, consistently, forever, throughout their entire life, throughout their entire day. They would never leave them. They would never wander away. And there's even stories, historians tell stories of, of, of rabbis that were maybe in accidents that had limps. They had broken bones, and so they would, they would limp. And their disciples, in, in an effort to be like their rabbi, they would limp like their rabbi. I used to tell this story a lot. I don't tell as much anymore. When, when my wife and I were youth pastors in Montana, uh, our worship pastors and elders here, John and Lindsay Prouty, they, they were a part of our youth ministry. And, and John back then, uh, he's not here so I can talk about him. Um, back then, John had a mohawk. And uh, yeah, so don't ever let him tell you didn't. He had a mohawk. First time I saw John, he had a giant blue mohawk. And, uh, and he always wore, it's early 2000s, he always wore black Hurley shirts. It's all he ever wore. It was, great. it was the easiest guy in the world to shop for on his birthday. It was like, just buy, go to the black Hurley shirt. There you go. And he was happy. I share that because John was on our worship team then as well. He was one of our guitar players. And, and, and he would stand on this part of the stage. And during our Wednesday gatherings, I didn't notice this, but I, I had a parent come up to me on a Sunday and said, um, why does my son tell me that I have to buy him special clothes for your youth ministry? And I said, I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So my son says he needs a black Hurley shirt to be a part of your youth ministry. And I said, I, I, I genuinely have no clue what you're talking about. That Wednesday, I noticed that there was a, a, a huddle of junior high boys that would just stand at this part of the stage and stare up at John, and wouldn't you know all of them? Black Hurley shirts. <laughs> their parents wouldn't let him have a mohawk, so they would just get as much hair gel as they could and just shove their hair up into something that kind of looked like a mohawk, which never did, right? What were they doing? They, they, were, they were being like their rabbi. They wanted to be like John. They saw his, his heart for the Lord. They saw his worship. John was cool. He was cool back then. Um, and I didn't say he isn't now. You inferred that. That's on you, not on me. Um, and and, uh, and, and that, that, that's the type of relationship these, these disciples would have with their rabbis. So Jesus was their superior rabbi. Jesus called those that no one else would call. Amen? And what I want us to see here is that Jesus is now leaving them. Please hear me. Before the job is done, it seems. Because he even says in, 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 the, in the very same conversation, they're not able even yet to receive all that he has for them. But what I want us to understand is that Jesus here lets us in on why he's leaving. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. You see, Jesus was their superior rabbi. Amen? Holy Spirit is our superior rabbi. And, and I, I don't want to get into overly dissecting Trinitarian theology here. So, so just track with me for a second, and I'm not going to unpack this. We can talk about it later if you need me to. Um, I would say that Holy Spirit is the superior rabbi. I think Holy Spirit succeeds fully in all of the requirements needed to be a rabbi in our lives. Jesus promises that it's to our advantage that Jesus goes away. Again, stop, stop skimming over that and hear what Jesus just said. It's better for you that Jesus is not physically here. It's better to have Holy Spirit than to have physical manifested in the flesh Jesus with us. That is a ridiculous statement. 
unless it's true. Jesus promises that it's to our advantage. Because you see, you see, Jesus is promising that his departure, his passion, would enable us to receive Holy Spirit. So how is Holy Spirit superior? I want to do this really quick. How is Holy Spirit superior? Let's remember this. What's the job of a disciple? To be with their rabbi so they can be like their rabbi. Well, the Holy Spirit is superior because he isn't just with us. He is in us. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Do you see 14 connected to 16? Right? The Father's gonna send another helper. That helper is going to be the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be what? in you. He will be in you. The Holy Spirit is a superior rabbi because, and he's, it's to our advantage. It's, it's advantageous to us that he comes because he doesn't just dwell with us. He dwells in us. That means that in, in Jesus' arrival, as Jesus comes as Emmanuel, right, as God with us, that's not a unique role for Jesus That's Jesus revealing the heart of God to us. That God desires, come on, to dwell with and ultimately in mankind. He desires to be not just with us, but to be in us. Divinity was about to take up residency within humanity. But you see the indwelling, please hear me, please hear me. The indwelling was for more than intimacy. I think we are foolish to not grab a hold of and take advantage of the intimacy that is ours in the indwelling. I I think it's ridiculous. I think think people who want to just theologically agree with that and have no emotional response to that are missing out on all that God has for them. I'm just being honest with you. But the indwelling is not just for the intimacy. Let me say it another way that's meaner. It's not just so you can have goosebumps. The indwelling of the Spirit is not just so that you feel nice. It's not just supposed to be a feeling. Is it supposed to be a feeling? Yes. Your feelings were given to you by your Creator. They're not a result of the fall. So it's right and good for you to feel. But don't don't stop at the feeling. Don't don't, don't put up a, a barrier at the feeling. There is profound, significant advantage to intimacy, but there is a purpose in his proximity and there is power in his presence. There's a reason for which he makes himself known to us. So, so he, is, he isn't just with us, he's in us. The next way that he's superior is he enables us to bear truth. I said there's power in his presence, amen? There's a purpose in his proximity. He draws near not just so he can hang out with us. Does he want to hang out with you? Yes, but he doesn't just come to hang out with you just to hang out with you. There's a reason why he shows up. Jesus says it in the text. He says, look, you are unable to bear the truth now, but there's coming a time when you will. And what's going to change is not just the passing of time, but the spirit of truth is going to lead you into all truth. 
The spirit of truth is going to lead, the spirit of something is going to lead you into the thing that he is. I, I said this to us before, as we unpacked this last week. The word truth here is both objective principle truth and subjective perspective truth. It's not either or, it's offensive to both groups. It's offensive to those that want truth to just be subjective and I just want to be able to choose my own truth and you know, every situation is different so I just got to kind of, you know, you know, and it's offensive to those. No, there's principles. Come on, there are solid bedrock principles, pillars that you can build your life upon. Pillars that you are called to build your life upon. Pillars that are, are manifestations of the grace and goodness of God for you to build your life upon. And yet there is also, come on, how many of us have been alive long enough to know that sometimes, come on, sometimes you don't need a principle, you need a perspective. I, I need, let me, let me put it to, the, I'm going to help the religious people out here for a second. Sometimes you, you don't just need the, the, the laws of God, you need the mind of God. I need to know his mind in this situation. There, 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 there are all kinds of principles I could apply. I need, I, I don't just need knowledge, come on, I need wisdom. And this spirit of truth enables us. So, so the way I put it last week, and, and some of you came up and were offended by this, so I'm going to say it again. Um, I said the truth is both weighty principles and wiggly. People didn't like that. Like, truth is never wiggly. I'm like, well, it is, though. Even, again, I, I talked about this last week. Even, even Proverbs talks about the fact that, that, that we are called to both at the same, in the same book, written by the same author, human author, Proverbs, we're called both to never and always answer a fool according to his folly. Right? You have to have wisdom in this. It's wiggly. It, 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 it wiggles around. He enables us. What I'm saying is this. His arrival brings the power necessary for us to do this. Again, heavily implied here in the text that, that you're unable to do it, but when he arrives, but I want to be, if you want to jot this down, we're not going to go there, but uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 emphatically, blatantly promises that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I say that because, man, I, I, wanna, I wanna thread this very carefully. When I say that it's not on you, it's on him, there can be this thing, religion, come on, I need an amen from somebody who knows what I'm talking about. Religion can glob onto that and, and, and kind of bring this weird false humility thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody around the church long enough to know what I'm talking about? Where like somebody comes up and gives you a compliment, and you're like, it's not me, it's him. It's like, yeah, we know that, genius. We've been around you long enough to know you're not good enough to do that. <laughs> right, like, like and why, why do I pick on that? Because there can, when, when that happens, there can, there can be a, a timidity, which is not a gift of the Spirit, by the way. <laughs> you being timid and sheepish is not a gift of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. In fact, Paul tells Timothy that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, hasn't given you a spirit of timidity. So, so me telling you that, that, that he's the one who enables you is not me trying to say that, that you, you need to grovel and realize, oh, yeah, well, it's not me, it's just him, and I, I, just, I just don't know. I'm just, I'm just a little lowly worm here hoping that I can. No, it's to, come on, it's not to bring false humility, it's to bring faithful liberty to you. So that, so that as you walk up to this thing, this, this weighty, wiggly truth, you don't have to go, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't have the, what do I need? I need to go back here and develop a skill set to be able to pick that up. No, 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 it's not on you to develop the skill set to pick it up, just pick it up. 
He's the one that will empower you to pick it up. Not you. You don't got to figure it out. You just got to, come on, it's got to be your hand reaching down to pick it up and carry it. You cannot bear it without him. You can bear it with him. Are you, are you tracking with what I'm saying here? This is not some way of me trying to beat you up and make you feel guilty and shameful for not being able to do it, but you know, the Lord helps you in your weakness, but you really should be stronger. Man, Paul says he rejoices in his weakness because as he does that, he knows that he does, he's not responsible to figure all this stuff out. He's not responsible to gain the ability or to, to, to develop the skill set to be able to, to navigate all this stuff. His arrival imparts this ability to us. Prior to his arrival, we don't have it, but upon his arrival, we receive this capability. So he isn't just with us. He's in us. He enables us to bear truth. The last way that he's, he's, he's a superior rabbi is he succeeds, oh, come on, in making us like him. How many emails do I want this week? Um, let's just get all the emails this week. So, so I think everyone <laughs> needs to throw away their what would Jesus do bracelets. One, because you suck at it. And two, because ultimately, ultimately, you're actually told that you are as you are born of the Spirit, you are like Holy Spirit. I'll prove it to you in the text. John chapter 3, verse 8. John chapter 3, verse 8. We, are, we, we become like him in two ways. We become like him because we become like wind. John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where, where, it, where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This verse is butchered in English translation. Because uh, the, the word wind at the beginning, the wind blows, and the word spirit at the end are the same Greek word. Pneuma. The, literally the word spirit, wind, even breath, breathing type breath. And, and here's, the, here's the other funny one. Uh, it says the wind blows. Okay, here's what we've got to understand. The, the spirit is the same as wind. Wind is the same as spirit. It's pneuma. Blows is, is related to that word. It's neo. It's, it's, it's a similar Greek word. He, here's, here's ultimately what it's saying that the Spirit acts like the Spirit. That wind acts like the wind because it is wind. And so when you're born of wind, when you're born of Spirit, you're going to act like what you're born of. So see, where, 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 where religion comes and says, hey, hang around us long enough until you learn how to behave like us, until you can modify your behavior in such a way that you don't offend anybody else in this club we call Christian, the gospel comes and says, you were born one way, you're going to be born again another way, and the 
instant you are born again that other way, you are not what you once were. You are fundamentally shifted from what you were prior to your, your new birth to what you are now. Before you were not like the wind, now you are like the wind. Not now you need to learn how to become like the wind. But, but the wind blows because it's wind. I know that's really deep. The wind blows because the Spirit moves the way the Spirit moves because He's the Spirit. The Spirit is like wind. What, what am I trying to say? Maturity in the Lord, maturity does not always equal stability. That, that, come on, that's different than everywhere else. But in the Lord, maturity does not equal stability. Maturity does, maturity equals surrender. If we want to be, if we want to be matured as, as wind children, right, then, then we need to be surrendered to the wind, Everywhere else is telling you, you gotta be stable, you gotta be solid, you gotta be hard, you gotta be rock. No, 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 no. You gotta be wind. You gotta be willing to be moved by what moves him. You gotta be willing to move when he moves, how he moves, where he moves, to the degree at which he moves. Maturity doesn't always equal stability, maturity equals surrender. Because listen, listen, hear me now, hear me now, hear me now, hear me now. Obedience is always better than outcome. As children of God, we do not manage toward outcome. We manage our lives toward obedience. Rarely, if ever, does God promise outcome. He calls for obedience. Choose this day who you will serve. Are, are, we, we talk about this, are there promises of God? But we don't manage toward the fulfillment of promises. We just walk in obedience. This, we, we, we learn this at the beginning of the book of John. Mary is our great teacher in this. They run out of wine at the, at the wedding. And, and, and Mary goes to Jesus, and we'll skip over details, I don't have time, Finally, Jesus is like, okay, and Mary goes to the servants, and what does she say to the servants? Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. It's like she knows it's going to be weird. Right? If, she, if it wasn't going to be weird, she wouldn't have had to say that. And recognize this. Jesus doesn't do anything that God doesn't do all the time. God is, is constantly turning water into wine. It just takes a long process. Jesus just decided to skip the process. Just draw up the water in their ceremonial washing vessels just to make the religious people mad. I love that. And after everyone's good and drunk, let's give them some more wine just to make all the Baptists mad. And whatever he said, it's not about outcome. But come on, come on, come on. I, I need you to hear that because so many of us, we, we think, well, well, I should be farther along. I should be more, I should have better outcomes in my Christian life by now. I should be able to pray longer. 
I should be able to read my Bible more. I should be nicer. I should be serving in kids' ministry more. You should be serving in kids' ministry. Um, we, 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 make, we make these lists, don't we? I should, this, this is the checklist. This is the thing. This is, this is all the stuff I should be able to do. This is all, the, and, and God is coming and saying, there is no checklist. Just be obedient. And he's, his obedience is going to be like the leading of the wind. You go, well, yesterday he told me to go left, but today he just told me to go right. He makes us like wind. He's successful, I said, in making us like him. First, because he makes us like wind. Second, because we, we, we become like the wind. We become like rivers of living water. John chapter 7. It's 38 and 39. Whoever believes in me, Jesus is speaking here, as the, scriptures, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about what? Spirit. Whom those who believe in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this is where Jesus was talking about, look, if I don't go, he's not going to come. But if I go, I'll send him. He makes us like rivers of living water. Let, let me say this, and then I, I got to move on because I got other places we got to go. I, I love this. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures say, right? He will, he, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This comes, and I, I didn't put it up. I should have put it up. The verse right before this literally is Jesus saying, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Christian, can I talk to, can I talk to some Christians this morning? And I, I want to do this, I really do, I want to do this gently, but I want to do this in a way that you hear me. Oh, I don't, I don't want to talk to Christians. I want to talk to Sozoites, Sozoians, Sozoers, um, and Sozoettes. Um, those gone through the, the process of sozofication. Um, I can do this all day. Um, I, want to, I, want to talk to, I want to talk to us. One of my fears for us as a church, strike that. One of my pastoral concerns, because he hasn't given me a spirit of fear, um, is that we would drink to quench our thirst. And that we would cease drinking when our thirst is quenched. When the invitation is to drink until you become a river. And that not only will we miss out on being a conduit, not just a container, but we will give the world a reason to point at us and say that we failed in bringing living water to dry places. So, so let, me, let me say it to you this way. If, you're in, if, if in any sphere of your life there is dryness, any place where you go, your workplace, your family, a relationship you have, your finances, your whatever, whatever it might be, there's a dry place. I, don't, I say this not for condemnation, but liberation. Keep drinking of his soul-satisfying goodness until the river flows from you. Don't come to me and tell me how dark your school is or how, how, how ungodly your workplace is. Become the river that brings life to that place. 
don't, don't drink of the God's not shown. What, what Miranda encouraged us this morning, right? To keep declaring his goodness. I, the, 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 I, was, I was walking through a situation with a pastor friend of mine. Their church has just gone through a, re, a really, really, really nasty season. Church split. People got angry. People said lies about the pastors. Left. It's just nasty, nasty stuff. And as I was praying for him, the Lord gave me this word, and I, I, I texted it to him. We, we, we grabbed lunch a little while later, and I, I was able to share it more openly with him. But here's what, here, what I said to him I want to say to you. If it's not good yet, he's not done yet. If it's not, I'm not, listen, listen, I said this last week, right? Jesus says, if he who builds his, rock, his life on the rock and he who builds his life on the sand, storms come to both of them. It wasn't build your life on the rock and you won't have any storms. Right, like, like <laughs> the people in Florida who, who built away from the ocean, the, the hurricanes still come to them. Their houses just don't get washed out into the ocean because they didn't build it literally on the beach. So somebody asked me back, is anybody old enough to remember Hurricane Katrina? Uh, our church in, from Montana, we adopted a church down in, in, in Louisiana and we were working there and, and some people came to me and they said, you know, do you think, do you think that uh, Katrina was God's judgment on, on that city because you know the Mardi Gras and all the sin and everything? I said, well, listen, Billy Graham said, if, if God does not smite uh, San Francisco with, with fire and brimstone, fire and brimstone, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. So I don't think we can say that. He goes, well, why do you think so much devastation happened? I said, because they were stupid and they built their house below sea level in a place where there are hurricanes, right? This is just, this is like, this doesn't take like rocket surgery, right? You, you, you gotta, you gotta understand. Thank you. Thank you for catching that. I say that joke sometimes people it just goes right over their head and I'm like oh sweetie um, there 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 is there's wisdom there's there's discernment right this isn't this isn't this isn't that building your house below it what I'm saying is this building our lives on those principles that God promises us doesn't mean you get to avoid all the problems of life it means it means you get to make it through the problems of life. That's why I'm saying, if it's not good yet, he's not done yet. So keep drinking of the reality of his goodness. Don't go over to the pool of pity party and start drinking that. Because here's the truth, beloved. You will flow whatever you drink. I'm gonna keep drinking his goodness. I got areas in my life where I don't see his goodness yet. But those things are going to agree with his goodness before I'm going to agree with the lie that he's not good. I don't know how I got there, but I got there. Don't just drink till you're satisfied. Drink till you become a river. Come on, if I'm your pastor, come on. Let's not drink till we're satisfied. Till, let's, not, let's not shout of his goodness until we feel better. Let's, let's shout and we start feeling better. I want to feel better, Amen. Let's keep shouting until our shout actually has the power to bring walls down. Let's, 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 keep, let's keep lifting our heads until we actually believe we are the ancient gates through which he's going to walk through, Psalm 24, something? I don't know, check me later. So, he's a superior rabbi because Holy Spirit is to be our guide. Real fast, gonna go through this real quick here. Guide. Uh, this Greek word here for guide. 
um, hadageo. It means to lead, teach, and guide. So that means Holy Spirit, if, if Holy Spirit is going to be our guide, that means he's going to be our, te- our leader, our teacher, and our guide. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit being our rabbi, it means he's going to be our leader, our teacher, and our guide. So let's, let's look at these super, super quick here. As your leader, Holy Spirit sets the vision. Oh, well, wait a second. Thought I got to do that. I'm an adult. Are you? The older I get, the more, con- more convinced that I'm not as old as I am. You know what I'm saying? Come on, come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I st- I, this is a genuine conversation that I have with my wife sometimes. I will look at my wife and go, who let Mark and Ty have kids? Like, whose idea, who, who approved that? Holy Spirit is the one who sets the vision. We don't, we don't, get, we don't get to set the vision, he sets the vision. Holy Spirit, as your teacher... Holy Spirit reveals reality. Come on. He's the one I look to for answers. Not Fox News. Not CNN. Not independent news sources. Not doing your own research. Not not doing your own research. Listen, 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 listen. We look to him. If the last few years has taught us anything, it's that we need a superior rabbi to reveal reality. There is flat out too much noise. There there is too much noise, too much static, too much distraction, too many shiny things that I like. Does anybody else's phones just blow up this last couple of days? You're like, hey, look, that's crap I don't need, but I want it. Yeah. I don't know why I'm broke all the time. How does Amazon know? I'm convinced within the next six weeks, Amazon's just going to have stuff show up at my front door. They're like, we knew you wanted this. It's fine. People are like, I think my phone's listening to me. I don't think we're that complicated. I think anything shiny, we're just like, okay, yeah. Put it on the card. Praise Jesus. We need Holy Spirit, come on, to reveal reality. We need, we need, him, to, we need him to set reality for us. He is truth. He doesn't have truth. So let's abandon all the erroneous stuff that we've inherited. Amen? Holy, Holy Spirit illuminates both when and where we need him to. As your guide, Holy Spirit is ever present. Come on. He doesn't come and go. He remains and abides. He never forsakes you. He is with you when you, when you, when you feel like you're lost. Okay, look, he's with you when you feel lost. Can I get amen? Come on. That's good news. Here's better news. He's with you when you are lost. Here's even better news. He's with you when you got yourself lost. That's, come on, that's good news. Does anybody remember what it was like to drive around without a supercomputer that could get you out of messes? 
right? You go back a little ways and people remember printing off MapQuest? You better get every turn or else you're just like, I don't know, I missed a turn and it can't reroute me, I don't know. Just staring at the paper and I'm touching it and it's not refreshing and we're, we, we live here now. I'm half convinced that this is how the exploration of our country happens. People just took a wrong turn, kept going, and like, I guess we live here now. That's the only way that anyone would ever live in the middle part of our country. Right? Like, like if they had postcards back when the, when, the, when the exploration was happening, everyone would live on the beach because, like, look outside. This is, the, this is God telling you not to live here. When, outs, when air tries to kill you in a place, we're like, no, I'm going to live here. This is dumb. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about something. Um, we, we, we've we've got to realize that he doesn't just, he doesn't just help us when, when, when somebody gets us lost. He doesn't just help us when we find ourselves to be lost. He helps us when we get ourselves lost. When you, oh, come on. Unpack that for yourself. When you screw up, when he, I said before, we, we got to go with where he tells us to go. When you disobey and go the wrong way, he didn't leave. He's still right there. And he'll get you, come on, back where you need to go. He is your guide. Holy Spirit is, as your guide, he is ever, he doesn't come and go, he abides, he remains, he's there. Can you grieve his heart? Absolutely. Is he as fickle as you? Absolutely not. He is ever present. So my call to us as a people, my call to us as a church is to yield to Holy Spirit. Because he's better. Whatever you're using as a measuring rod, he's better. Whatever you're using as a leader, as a teacher, as a guide, come on, he's better. So how do we yield to him? We honor his leader, his leading, we receive his reality, and we follow his guidance. Honor his lead. Stop, stop trying to figure out a vision for your life. Take your, I love you, take your vision board, Throw it in the trash. He gets to set the vision. And he already set it. We're going to glorify Jesus. Right, that's what the text says. Holy Spirit comes to do what? Goosebumps? No. Glorify Jesus. So if he's the leader, he sets the vision. What is my life supposed to be about? Glorify Jesus. That, that's, that's everything. You say, well, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a plumber. How do you... you, you you are a plumber for the glory of God. Your work matters. Your life matters. You do all of that. You do all of that for his glory. He gets to set the vision. He gets to set the pace of our life, which means you don't get to define what success is. I had, a, I had a poster on my wall as a kid. It was a poster of this like good looking dude. This was, this was the 80s, right? It was like a good looking dude, this good looking girl, and there was like all kinds of fancy cars and big houses and planes and stuff on there. And, and the, on the poster, this literally was on my wall as a kid. It said, he who dies with the most stuff wins. That was, that was the vision for my life when I was a young man. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna get as much money as I can, get as much stuff as I can, because that will make me happy, that will be what success is. Some of y'all are still living your lives with that as the vision. But there's also, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. There's also the flip side. Well, no, no, success for me is when I can pray an hour every day and read 10 chapters of the Bible and when I can be a nicer person and when I can, when I can, and you, you've got this definition of success in your head. I'm not saying any of what I just said is bad. You don't get to define success, though. You don't get to pick your own identity. You don't get to pick your own security. You don't get to pick your own joy source. He's it. He determined that already. He's the one who sets that for us. So we honor his leading. We receive his reality. We receive, come on, his reality. Receive his revelation of who God is, who you are, and how the world works. And listen, Stop listening to anybody else. I, gloves off. As a pastor, so much of the pastoral shepherding work that I do is because so many people have false ideas about who God is, who they are, and how the world works, that they've picked up, listen, listen, that they've inherited either from, 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 from living in the, the systems and structures of this world or through living through the systems and structures of jacked up religion. And here's the truth. There, regardless of where you inherited your erroneous assumptions about God, yourself, and the world, they still don't work. So when I say we need to yield to the Spirit, do I mean lift our hands in worship, dance, sing, shout? Yes. But I also mean believing that when the Scriptures say you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that you actually believe that, not in your brain, but in your bones. That you believe it when your life gives evidence of it, and you keep believing it when your life doesn't give evidence of it. That's what it literally means to live by faith. I'm living by faith even when my own life contradicts it. We got Christians wanting to, to heal sick people because God's word says it, he, he, he will, but you don't believe he's made you the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, but I, I still smoke. Again, I, I've said this before. I'll keep saying it. People ask me all the time, can Christians smoke and still go to heaven? Yes, you'll probably beat the rest of us there. No, but I, I, I still, I still, this, I still, yeah, da, da, da. you're focusing on the wrong thing. Get your eyes off of that and onto him. What's, he, he's the leader, he picks the vision. What's our vision? Jesus. I'm gonna believe him about who he says God is. Not my circumstances, not my life, not my, not my fantasy hopes and dreams where, where, where I make God either into this distant, disinterested, uh, you know, deity who's just constantly disappointed in me, or maybe I make God into this you know, divine butler that just does whatever I want as long as I say, in Jesus' name. No, I receive his revelation of who God is, his revelation. 
and I abandon every erroneous inherited idea I have, whether I inherited those from my family, whether I inherited those from my experience, from religion, from the world, whatever it might be, I, I, I abandon all of those things. Yielding the Holy Spirit means I follow his guidance. I yield. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We yield to the impulses of the wind. We, we just yield to them. We, we, stop trying, we stop trying to be in control and let ourselves be utterly out of control because we're utterly under the control of someone else. Come on, come on, come on, come on, Christian. You are not designed. Okay. Jesus is not MapQuest. Jesus is not Apple Maps on your phone telling you which way to go. Right? I, I, I used to joke with, with before I, the song, I don't know who sings it, because whatever, Jesus take the wheel. It's like, why, why are you even in the front seat? Like, my song is Jesus lock me in the trunk. <laughs> I think there's a country song probably about that too. I don't know. He, 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 let, let, let's, let's, let's let him, come on. Let's, let's, let's be wind because he's wind. Amen? Let's be, let's, 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 let's be out of control. I don't mean let's be out of control. I mean let's be out of control. Because we're so fully being controlled by the one who's actually in control, by the way. Let's just let the wind be the wind. And let's be wind because we're born of the wind. And let's not let shame and guilt and condemnation come and tell us that we shouldn't be like the wind. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm like the wind because I was born of the wind. And wind is like wind because wind is windy. That's deep, man. So deep. Let's stand to our feet before we get drowning. We're going to respond. And this is, this, is, this is so important to me that we get a hold of this stuff. So we're going we're gonna to respond. I think we need to take some time. Again, we respond. Celebration, contemplation, communion. Celebration, we're going to sing. Contemplation, I think we need to spend some time here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna let, let the wind blow. I think there's some stuff in some of us. Come on where the wind has got to clear some stuff out. We, we drove, my, my, my in-laws live uh, on the west side. I'm going to be, oh, thank you, Jesus, for making me not say something inappropriate. They live on the other side of the state, which is also wonderful. Um, and, uh, and so we, we, you know, we, we, we drive over there, and, and we drove through, both going there and coming back, we drove through fog, and it, isn't it funny how the fog doesn't change anything, but it changes everything. Like the, like the road's still there. My, my car still has gas. My car still has the ability to drive the same speed. Right? Like it's, it's nothing's changed, and yet we slow down because we're unsure. Because, yeah, I know the road's there, 
but man, I don't, I don't see beyond just a few feet in front of me now. And there's something, come on, there's something glorious that happens as you're driving through that and the wind blows. I'm not just talking about when, come on, there's a difference. There's times where you, where you drive out of the fog. That's good. We praise Jesus for that. Amen? But there's something, I mean, it's, it's almost supernatural that happens. If you've ever been driving through the valleys in the middle of this state and the wind picks up, and it's just, it's not that you drive out of the fog. It's like the fog drives out of you. It's just gone. I think some of us need that this morning. We, we, we need wind to be windy and blow some fog out of, our, out of our minds, out of our thinking, out of our understanding. Some of you need that on a, in a very big way. You, need, you, you are living in a fog. You are living blind. Come on, to the ultimate reality of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for you, how good God is and all that he desires for you. You are living utterly and totally disconnected from him. And my message to you today is this, that Jesus is better than you ever could have possibly imagined. And yes, in our humanity, humanity has, has, has as a whole rejected and rebelled against God. But in his goodness, he rejects our rebellion, our rejection, and he, he defeats our rebellion. He rejects our rejection, he defeats our rebellion. In his goodness, Jesus comes. He breaks through everything. He comes and shows us who God is. And he's not distant and disinterested and disappointed in you. And he's not a cosmic butler here to do whatever you, you, your whims. No, he is, he is so good that the only descriptive word we have for his goodness is holy. Which simply means completely and utterly other. He's so good, his goodness isn't even like the goodness that we've experienced from other people. I hope you have some good people in your life. And they're, they're a taste of the goodness of God, but they are so much less than what he is. His goodness goes so far beyond that. So the call then to you if, you, if you are living outside of that goodness, is to repent and believe. Repent, I know it sounds like a religious word. It's, it's an important word. It literally means to admit and abandon. So we admit that we are living in a fog, that we are living outside of his goodness. And we abandon all of the things that we are holding to that are keeping us there. But we don't just admit and abandon. We don't just, we don't just admit those things and let them go. We then believe. And, and it's not belief in a biblical sense is not just acknowledging the truth. It's not just agreeing with the truth. That's good, but that's not what biblical belief is. Biblical belief, a biblical belief is to embrace and entrust something. So we let go, come on, and we grab a hold. We grab a hold of him. We trust him. We embrace him. We entrust our life to him. We trust him, come on, to tell us who he is. We trust him to tell us who we are. We trust him to tell us how this world really works. We trust him to tell us who we are, to, to impart to us the security that we need to not be stable to be for us, come on church, the very wellspring of joy that our souls were designed for. The Bible says that when we repent and when we believe, I said before that you, if you're not a Christian, this, this, this message doesn't have anything to do for you. Well, right now, if you repent and believe, you get to travel into DeLorean, go back in time and make all this message apply to you. 
You get to be welcomed into the family of God. Not because of what you've done, not because of what you've earned, not because of what you can achieve, not because of, of some, some deep down inside of you goodness that's just buried under everything. No, 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 because of who he is. Come on. He moves us, the scriptures say, from being dead in our spirit to being alive. From being those that live as his enemies, not by his choice, but by ours, to being his family. He moves us from being isolated and separated to being close and intimate, to not just being with us, come on, but being in us. So we're going to take some time and contemplate. like scriptures teach us that where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom I think the spirit wants to bring freedom from self acquisition self effort and desire to be self made come on he's the one come on he's the one that will empower you don't what am I saying? Don't seek power, seek him. He wants to free you from self-hate, self-pity, and self-deception. He makes you able, so you are able. In him, and him in you, you are able. Come on, you are. Christian, hear me. Child of God, hear me. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. You say, but you don't know what I did. No, the problem is not that I don't know what you did. The problem is that you don't know what he did. He makes you. He makes you. You don't make you. He makes you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for breakthrough in the hearts of your people in the area of behavior modification, in the area of self-deception and self-delusion. Where there is deception in the heart of your people clouding who you are, wind of the spirit blow I speak clarity of mind to the people of God an awakening has begun and this awakening is marked by an awareness of the scandalous goodness of our God this awakening is marked by being convinced we are the righteousness of God in Christ. This awakening is not like other awakenings because it's not something we're going to get ourselves into. So we break, we break off all the inherited erroneous assumptions that we have. These things that are holding us back. Religion and striving, self-efforted progress. No, we just let the wind blow. 
We receive the wind so that we can be the wind. We let go, we let go, we let go. Come on, church, climb in the trunk with me. Let him drive. Let's not just take our hands off the wheel. Let's get out of the driver's seat. Let's get out of the back seat. Let's just, come on. Come on, he's good. He can, you, you, can, you can trust him. Come on, right now, Holy Spirit is rearranging stuff in people's hearts. Well, some of you are, are literally feeling this right now. You're, you're feeling things begin to shift. Don't, don't fight that. Don't, don't fight it. But here's the other word. Don't try to figure it out. Just let him do it. Just let him do it. Come on, he's not in you just for intimacy. He's in you for empowerment. Come on, let him be. Come on, let him be who he is. Let him be your, your, your ally. Let him be the effective agent within your heart. Come on, he's shifting some stuff. He's rearranging some stuff. You've been trying to figure some stuff out. You've been trying to, you've been trying to, I literally see people have been like trying to do a Rubik's cube. You've been trying to get everything to line up, but he said, just put it down. Just put it down. Come on, just put it down. Let it go. Let it go. Let's just surrender. Let's just let it go. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's got you. He's always had you. I don't care if you got yourself where you are, he's still there. Spirit of the living God.